In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Act of Hope O my God, relying on your almighty power and infinite mercy and promises, I hope to obtain pardon for my sins, the help of your grace, and life everlasting through the merits of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Redeemer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this third talk um, in this kind of short series of talks entitled Christian Hope in 2020. The third talk now is entitled How to Win the Battle for Hope in Our Hearts. And just this morning, Father Sebastian, who, who lives with me here at the Friary, gave a beautiful homily on joy and the choice for joy and the choice uh, to choose joy uh, in the midst of an uncertain situation. I'm recording this on uh, November the 5th, as we are in the middle of a question of the outcome of the presidential election. And surely the, the emotions that are being experienced in many people at this moment are anxiety and anger and hopelessness. And again, I'd like to read two quotations from the Gospels uh, that I started off with in the first talk. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Hope, theological hope, is necessary to be able to have the peace and joy Jesus speaks of. These are all interrelated things. And as I listened to Father Sebastian's homily today, I thought, well, I should finish off at least this talk to send it out. Again, there's so much in our world, particularly in social media, that is moving us or tempting us to a place of anxiety, fear, hopelessness. And I distinguished in the previous talks between merely human hope, which is a good expectation based on my own perceptions, knowledge, experience, calculations, and feelings. But then the Christian hope, which I'm proposing we need to particularly hold on to in this time, if we are going to be real Christians, people who offer to the world the witness that it needs in an extraordinarily desperate way at this moment, which is there's something more than this world. Regardless of political outcomes, regardless of unrest within society, regardless of the possibility of violence, anger, disunity, that there's something so much greater that supersedes all of this and that we can be anchored in that. And this is a radical choice, a necessary choice, and I'd like to suggest 
an invitation from the Heavenly Father to his children today saying, you need to be this for those who are dying from the hunger for hope, for those who are famished because they have lost faith and they are rooted solely in this world, or at least significantly. And so this battle needs to happen first within our hearts. And there's so much that I'd like to say about this and so much more that could be said about it, but I'll say what I can say today. So hope, once again, I'll offer this kind of uh, definition of it or attitude. What is the attitude of theological hope? My father is going to take care of this as he knows best. He always keeps his promises. Our hope, the hope that is God's gift to us, the hope that he wants, that he has put into our hearts, that he wants us to say yes to, that he wants us to live out of, hope, because it's a theological virtue, is given to us by God to use as a gift so that we can move beyond the simply the, the, the stuff of the everyday and anchor ourselves in something that is unchanging, unfading, and absolutely true, which is the promise of God, his love for us, eternal life, his goodness in our lives. So here are some practical points that I'd like to offer you for guarding and fostering hope, faith and hope, which are super related in my mind, in our world today. The first thing is a very practical point. The first two points will be simple, and rather maybe obvious. Many times the first step to hope is literally to just turn everything off, to take about 10 very deep breaths, right? And make a little bit of space. If we're only going to allow the pressure of the everyday, the pressure of news coming in, the pressure of other people's opinions, the pressure of what people are saying to us on posting on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, if we're just going to allow that to run our lives, forget about it. You're never going to find hope. So it's extremely necessary, although this may seem like just a human kind of uh, psychological tool, this is also necessary for us to be grounded in hope, which is turn it off, take 10 deep breaths, step away, make a little bit of space because the space is necessary for hope to come in more deeply. Number one. Number two, introduce some simple things in your life that instill hope. What do I mean? So one of the choices that we can make is simply to allow our environment to be more of a space that facilitates or fosters hope, faith. So for instance, one of the things that I find helpful is listening to Gregorian chant. For some reason, I put the stuff on even though my Latin's not that good, I put it on, I start to listen to it, and often my heart just finds this sort of, it relaxes. It sort of opens up a bit, it softens, makes a little more space. Other people might find praise and worship music helpful, something that has a Christian message and is clearly, but something that leads your heart, right? To consider God, to be open to God. Another thing, again, just very practical, 
find images, find quotations from scripture. Maybe something in these talks has been helpful to you. Find memes on the internet. I don't know, whatever, but things that you can put in your planner, have on, you know, uh, put a, as your smartphone sort of, you know, backdrop there. In whatever sort of ambient environment you have, your room, your office, your car, you know, whenever I'm taking long trips, I put a Divine Mercy image there. And sometimes when I'm feeling a little frustrated, which can happen often driving in Jersey, I just take a little look at the Divine Mercy image, not too long because you don't want to, you know, have an accident. But just looking at that image of Jesus brings a certain amount of peace, which, again, driving on the road today, you need. In your car, in your office, in your room, in your, in your, wherever it is, putting some things up that just draw you in a direction of hope. Two simple things, very simple. Now to some more substantial points, uh, practical applications or practical ways to foster hope, anchor us more in hope in our daily lives. One is, is just this, and I'll use this, this kind of image throughout the rest of the talk, to stay in the Father's house, to stay in the house of the Heavenly Father, right? To live like a son or a daughter. Theological hope depends on who God is and who I am. Who God is does not change. He is always a Father. He is always good. He will always keep His promises. He will always be attentive to you. He is always with you. He is never going to forsake you. I, on the other hand, can walk out of his house. I can ignore him. I can live as if he did not exist. And brothers and sisters, I, even as a priest, when my days get busy, sometimes live as if the Father doesn't exist, that the Father has nothing to do with my life, that I'm just on my own. And this is, this is where we run into disaster. The Father wants to give. But if I keep looking for other stuff, other hopes, other security, He can't give me what I need and what He desires to. So in this real sense, I need to stay with Him in His house. And concretely, what does it look like to stay in the house of the Father, this space where the Father can give me and provide for me more and more? Instead of like the prodigal son, leaving the house of the Father and going off and trying to do it on my own, which all of us do sometimes, probably many times a day. Concretely, one of the things that is very helpful to stay in the house of the Father, to live like a son and a daughter, is to sit down at some point every day, at least once, and say to God, either the Father or to Jesus, or if you want to, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, whoever you feel most comfortable with, and you tell them your fears, your worries, your opinions, and your perspectives. You're like, oh, Father, but he knows that already. He wants to hear, and you need to do it. And when you live with somebody in the same house, that's what you do. If you're not doing that with God, it's like you're not living together. So you've got to tell him, you know what, Father? I'm scared to death of what might happen in the United States of America over the next two weeks. I'm scared to death if so-and-so becomes a president or such and such happens. You tell them that you're afraid. You tell them your opinions. You can tell them the ways that you think that you even think he's letting us all down. But you gotta talk to him. This is the way we stay with the Father. And then you have to listen to what they want to say back to you. 
to leave some space for God to respond to your fears, to your opinions, to your worries. Make space. But this is what we do when we live together. We speak about what's deepest in our hearts, our feelings, our opinions. And then we listen. This is extremely important to stay with the Father in the place where hope is going to be able to be fostered. Point four, using the house image again, recognize the lies that lead you out of the house of the Father and back into your head, right? What happens is, now I'm not talking about lies like the lies that you tell, like uh, somebody asks you, hey, did you, eat that? did you eat the last cookie? No, I didn't eat the last cookie. You totally ate the last cookie. Now go to confession, right? I'm not talking about lies that you tell. I'm talking about lies that you believe. There's lies that go around and around in our heads that sound like our own voices, but they are lies that they draw us out of God's presence and get us stuck inside of ourselves alone. And it's a disaster. What are lies that get us stuck inside of our own head? I'll go micro level and macro level. So something small, personal, and then something bigger. What are the lies that happen to us on the personal level? These are just common ones. I'll never amount to anything. I'm a failure. I have to do it all myself. No one will help me. It is always my fault. God is not in control. I've destroyed God's plan for my life. It's hopeless. I can never change. I have to earn God's love. These are the lies that can play around in our heads and get us stuck in ourselves and make us blind to God's presence to us and in a sense make us have us walk out of the Father's house and just get stuck within ourselves. One of the things that I do often is, is just something like this. I just have people pray through it, and I do the same thing. Some of you may have heard of this before, but it's just renouncing things. So you recognize there's this lie. Yeah, I really don't think that God is with me. I think I am on my own. Okay. You just, in a time of prayer, you pray, Jesus, come and save me. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, I want to live by hope in the Father, in your promise to me. Lord, save me and help me. And then you make this an act. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm a failure, that I have to do it all myself, that no one will help me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie there's something wrong with me. I don't matter. I'm a mistake. I'm not worthy. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that God is not in control, that he's not big enough to help me, that he's thrown me under the bus. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that God cannot forgive me, that it's hopeless and I can never change. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I have to earn God's love, that I'm a burden, that no one wants me, that God could never love me. We need to move against these lies in very practical ways like that. There can also be lies on the, on the bigger scale, right? A, a national scale, which also can lead us into this place of self-isolation and not living in communion with God, not staying in the house of the Father. What are some of the bigger lies? If so-and-so wins the election, it's all over, there's no hope. If so-and-so wins the election, it's all over, there's no hope. If so-and-so wins the election, it's all over, there's no hope. There's playing around in our heads, and then what do we do? We complain to others, we reach for the alcohol, right? We, what? 
God has forgotten about us. God must not be in charge if things are going so poorly in my family, with my children, in the country. The situation in, in my area is hopeless. There's no way for it to change. That might be about the church. These are the things that can come up time and time again. We need to watch for these lies because they're not true, but they look true. So point three that I live like a son or a daughter, stay in the father's house, talking to him, listening to him, being with him. Point four, recognize the lies and renounce them. Point five, exercise hope. Hope is a virtue. So it's something that God's given us. It's like he gives us the seed. He gives it, he helps us to let it grow, but we got to exercise it. We have to do our part to say, yes, I want to live by hope, right? You got you to gotta make a choice. This is how we anchor ourselves in the house of the Father. We're like tying ourselves to the furniture, like, Father, I'm not going anywhere. And he wants to just grab a hold of us anyways. And he totally does that. But so how do we exercise our hope? Well, learn what he promised. So what has he promised us in the scriptures? I named some of it in the, in the last talk. What has he promised us in the scriptures? What do we know is true because of his revelation to us? And then ask for it, right? Heavenly Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, let me know who you are. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, let me know that you will always be faithful to the promise that you're with me. These are the sorts of things. We want to practice relying on God, practice depending on God. This is what we're called to. God wants us like children to depend on him. And when we're in our struggles, we can say to him, like I mentioned in the, the point three, Jesus, I don't understand. Jesus, I can't handle this on my own. Jesus, I need help with. Jesus, I feel overwhelmed by X, Y, and Z. And he goes, yeah, talk to me. I want to help you with all that. Right? But to have this, this heart of faith that says, even though I'm struggling, I believe you are here with me. To exercise this hope, to claim the promises in the holy name of Jesus, I claim your promise that you will always be with me. In the name of Jesus, I claim your promise that you know the plans for me, plans for welfare and goodness, not for woe. Jeremiah 29. Just yesterday in holy hour, as I was sitting there praying, just this, this line from Psalm 27 came up in my heart. I am sure I shall see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in him, hold firm, and take heart. Hope in the Lord. So I just sat with this line, and I prayed it over and over again, just sitting with it, letting it go deeper. Brothers and sisters, this is how we exercise hope in prayer, in our daily lives, in the midst of the struggle. We talk to him. And what about our mistakes? What about when we blow it? And you're going to blow it, right? When we struggle, when we fail, what do we say? Jesus, you can make this good because you promised that you would. So Jesus, redeem it and make it beautiful, even more beautiful than if it never had happened. Exercising hope also means exercising it, not just about bad situations out in the world, but when I fail, 
when I've blown it, when I've sinned. Yes, go to confession, but also pray like a person of hope saying, Lord, you're bigger than my mistakes. I mean, thank God for this, right? I mean, every day I pray a prayer like this. Lord, I messed up again, but thank you that you love to have mercy. You love to take care of my failures. You love to clean up after me. God loves to clean up after you. Did you know that? You, make, you go through your day, you make messes all over the place. If you just say, Father, but I know you can make that good. Jesus, your cross promises me that you can make that good. So I'm just asking you to do it. Jesus, I hope and I trust that you will redeem it and make it beautiful, even more beautiful than it never had happened, than I never had messed up, than that bad thing had never occurred. This is to live by hope. And finally, the last thing I'll say, and don't be overwhelmed by all these numbers, just take a deep breath and pick the ones that you think God is calling you to most specifically right now. To concretely live in hope, which is so related to faith, also means to live in trust. Trust. And trust practically looks like praise and thanksgiving. Let me just share with you a little story that a missionary of charity sister, one of Mother Teresa's sisters, shared with me. When she was a postulant, like a while ago, probably like 50 years ago, she remembers Sister Nirmala, who was the successor to Mother Teresa. At that time, she was helping out and they were in Calcutta. And Sister Nirmala came and was giving a class to her as a postulant, which is the second stage of formation. So she was super young in in the religious life. And she remembers so clearly, Sister Nirmala came in, started with a prayer, and she said to all the postulant sisters, I have the solution to all your problems. And postulants think they have lots of problems. So they were extremely attentive. She said, I have the solution to all your problems. Praise and thanksgiving. Because praise and thanksgiving lets God do something. There you have it. Praise and thanksgiving. Just, I mentioned Father Sebastian had given this awesome homily this morning, so I want to read a quote that like blew me off my chair, right? It's from this guy named Isaac the Syrian, the ascetical homilies. That's what Father Sebastian likes to read in his free time. So the quotation goes like that, like this. That which leads the gifts of God to a man. So how do gifts of God get to me? He says, the road or the way that gifts of God, God's blessings, get to a man is this. That way which leads the gifts of God to a man is a heart that is continually moved to thanksgiving. That which leads to trials to the soul is a murmuring disposition, always active in the heart. I was just blown away by that. That the heart that is full of thanksgiving is the one that is inviting God's blessings. The heart that is full of murmuring does not, right? It draws rather trials. In the most difficult of situations, it is so important to still turn to God and to praise and thank Him because this changes things, because it lets God do something instead of us just getting stuck in our complaints. This can be really hard sometimes. And you may need help, but the Bible is full of songs and psalms of praise and thanksgiving. But just practically, one of the things that I suggest sometimes, 
is a litany of truth or a litany of thanksgiving. So a litany of truth, what might this look like? Choose some of the promises in the Bible. Like the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. Psalm 23. Right? Like let not your hearts be troubled. Hope in God, hope also in me. In the Father's house there are many rooms. If I had not told you, if it was not so, would I have told you? John 14. Jesus' promises, God's promises. Pick some of them out and make a little litany for yourself to pray every day. And maybe it would sound something like this. Jesus, I thank you that the Father will never give up on me. Jesus, I thank you that I'm called from the womb and chosen and loved. Jesus, I thank you that the Father is trustworthy. And maybe things are going crazy in your life, but you pray that anyways. Jesus, I thank you that the Father is trustworthy. Jesus, I thank you that the Father has a place for me in heaven with my name on it. Jesus, I thank you that the Father delights in me, that you love me, that I'm the apple of your eye. Jesus, I thank you that I am watched over, that all the hairs on my head are counted. A litany of thanksgiving. A litany of truth is very, very similar. I just phrase it a little bit differently. Jesus, I believe that you promise to be with me always. Jesus, I believe that you are changing me even when I don't see it. Jesus, I believe that you will redeem all the mistakes today. Jesus, I believe that in the midst of all my sins and all my failures, they are opportunities for you to show me mercy and you long to embrace me. Jesus, I believe that you are with me today. Jesus, I believe you will be with me tomorrow with your unchanging promises in my life. Jesus, I believe that you love me even when things don't go my way. These are just practices, but these are things that can ground us, root us, help us to win the battle, to have hearts of hope, to be Christians in the midst of a world that is becoming more and more hopeless and discouraged. And let's just be honest, and I'll conclude with this. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get discouraged, at least if you're anything like me. But if you live by hope, trust, dependence on God, and that is so key, dependence on God, reliance on God and his promises, instead of your own understanding and your own preferences and your own way that you think the church and the world and the country and your family and your children and everything else should go, if you rely more on God and his promises than all that stuff, you will find peace and joy You will grow in love and you will have new horizons open to you, even the most difficult circumstances. And I want to say, read the life of any saint, of any holy man or woman. And what will you find? That they, in the difficult circumstances of their life, had horizons opened up to them so that they were able to live in a place of tremendous joy and hope and love and love for enemies and love for others in the most adverse circumstances of their life. Maximilian Kolbe singing as he's being starved in a starvation bunker in a concentration camp, encouraging the men who were there with him. There's a man of hope. Those martyrs who went to their deaths with joy because of the promise of God and Jesus in their lives. 
the countless men and women who have gone before us, who proclaim to us this witness that God is true, that he will not let us down. As we learn to live in hope, fear lessens, anxiety decreases, love grows, the heart becomes more free, and the emotions become more centered because God is working and not just you. And now I'll conclude one of my typical melancholic testimonies about myself. A few years ago, I started to, to do this every day. At the beginning of my day, and some days it's a lot harder to pray this than others, at the beginning of my day, I make this act of hope each day. I say many, I pray many other things, but I pray this. Abba Father, Abba Father, I thank you because you are going to make this day beautiful. Brothers and sisters, I've prayed that every day for years. And some of those days were filled with struggle with discouragement, with trials and difficulties, with others and with myself, with the world. But God makes it beautiful. Sometimes we don't see it right away, but God makes it beautiful if we let him, if we invite him, if we live in this place of hope. Abba, Father, I thank you because you're going to make this day beautiful. I pray for you and for everyone who will listen to this that you will win or allow God to win the battle, that you may have hopes more and more, hearts more and more filled with that virtue of hope, that total clinging to and confidence in the goodness of God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us.